The Bible teaches that God is not a God of confusion. God is a God of order. We see it around us in creation. We see it in what he calls us to do uh, in the Bible, whether it be in corporate worship or in some other context. God is not a God of confusion. By way of contrast, Satan, who's called the God of this world, is labeled and titled the father of lies. He likes confusion. He likes to create confusion amongst believers, and he likes to create confusion amidst unbelievers. And one area that is so confused is the area of of understanding what faith is. So I'd like to say, if I were the devil, and I'm not, (laughs) if I were the devil, that would be one thing as the father of lies that I would definitely want to focus on. I wouldn't be so concerned about the the latest... uh, apologetic for atheism or something. One thing I would really want to focus on, even though that would be bad, one thing I'd want to focus on is faith. How can I create confusion amongst professing Christians about what faith is? Because then they won't understand their Bibles very well. And then they won't be able to explain Christianity very well. And if I can create confusion among unbelievers about what faith is in a religious context, they'll never, ever, ever come around. And so, in this act of spiritual warfare, perhaps we could call it, I've been wanting to do this series on faith, what it is, what it isn't, so we can understand God better, we can understand salvation better, we can understand the work of Christ better, we can be better communicators, better defenders of the faith as we're called to be. And so we've, we've taken a time away from a normal kind of book study to talk about faith, what it is, what it isn't. And this morning what I'd like to do is begin looking at a sort of top ten list, um, and, and conclude with this top ten list, misconceptions about faith, common misconceptions about faith. And so this will be a little bit of a review of what we've been looking at in the last few weeks, but to kind of put it all down, common misconceptions, so we don't have to be confused, so we don't have to be unclear. And again, we can be better evangelists, we can be better apologists, those who defend the faith, which we're called to do as Christians. Uh, We can be more faithful believers. We can have greater gratitude for what God has done for us in Christ. And so that's kind of what's driving this and, and, and behind all of this. Common misconception number one regarding faith, and that is that faith is optional. That faith is optional. And I'm going to have you turn to the classic passage that everyone knows and no one knows. Finish my sentence. John 3.16, right? It's the passage that we're all so familiar with that we perhaps aren't very familiar with it at all. But a common misconception amongst people in the world, sometimes in the church, is that faith is optional. And by the way, faith comes from the same Greek word that can be translated trust. It's translated belief. It's the idea of confidence, something that is trustworthy is the idea in Christianity. We oftentimes don't know that. But one common misconception is that faith is optional. Go to, go to a pretty ordinary memorial service and you'll find out that a lot of people think that faith in Christ is optional. Why would I say that? Because we say things at funerals and hear things like, she's in a better place now. At least he's not suffering anymore. Well, really, based, based upon, that, that would be great and wonderful. That's what we want. But, but based upon what? 
we speak as if faith in Christ is optional, and that's a misconception. John 3.16 is super helpful. I'll try to read it interpretively to sort of help. You can make notes if you'd like to, based upon what the, what the Greek text says. For God so loved the world. And again, the idea here isn't, in its original text, God so loved the world. I love it so much. That's kind of how we read it. I'm not saying that's not true. That God doesn't have an amazing, deep, profound, passionate love. I'm not saying that. But the idea in John 3.16 is God loves the world in this way. You could even translate it that way. There's a certain specific way in which God has loved the world. It's His way of loving the world. It's not necessarily the way you would do it if you were God. We're all thankful you're not. But there's a certain way that God loved the world. A specific, special, unique kind of way. That's the intent. For God so loved the, God, the world. God loved the world like this, specifically. And we, we can read on to know that He gave His only Son. His unique Son. He only has one Son, right? And He gave His Son. That's how He's chosen to love the world. Furthermore, notice what it says. That whoever believes. This is how God has loved the world. That whoever believes, there's our faith word, our trust word, our confidence word. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The way God has set it up is so that sinners who trust in his son will not perish but have eternal life. But you see, faith is not optional. Trust is not optional. It's actually required in, in the way that God has set things up. This is why we tell people this. This is why we tell people with the apostles and others, believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, don't trust in yourself. You, you, you must believe in Jesus. It's, it's why we have missionaries. It's why, why, why we act like missionaries. Maybe drop down to verse 18 for the sake of time. Whoever believes in Him, again, that's how God has set it up, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the, here we go again, only Son of God. It's the God-prescribed way. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. So let's, let's be kind. Let's be thoughtful. We don't need to, to, to be foaming at the mouth, raging, crazy, lunatic, mean-spirited fundamentalists. But we have good news for fellow sinners and, and, and we, we do need to eventually get to the point where we say, you must believe in Jesus. You can't believe in yourself and trust in yourself because you're not perfect and you're sinful. Trust in Jesus. It's not optional. Ready to go on to the next one? Okay. Number two, another common misconception regarding faith is that faith is in faith. It's a common misconception. And I almost want to apologize to all of you who have been here over the years because I say it all the time. One day you'll get a new pastor and, and they won't say it. I hope they do. Faith is not in faith in Christianity. Okay? But we think that sometimes because we say things like, just have faith. 
or it'll be okay because I know your faith is strong. Now that could be an awesome thing to say. It's awesome if you mean your faith in God, your confidence in the one who is trustworthy. But sometimes our shorthand, and we, we just we abbreviate it, and before you know it, that's how we believe. We believe in belief, which is another way of saying we really believe in ourselves. It's a self-confidence. I've got really strong faith that, that I can see myself through this. That's faith in faith. And in the Bible, faith is in someone other than yourself. It's in the God who is trustworthy. The God who is mighty to save. The God who's made promises. The God who's raised His Son from the dead. Faith is outside of yourself. It's in Him. And we've talked about that, but I wanted to, again, review by pointing this out. It's faith in a substitute. John 3.18, if you're still there, I thought it would be helpful just to keep it as simple as we can. Whoever believes in Him... It's not just whoever believes, it's whoever believes in Him. Let's believe outside of ourselves. And by the way, that will get you through tough times. Because you know that your world, that this world is not your ultimate home. It's temporary. Okay, let's move on to number three. A third common misconception uh, regarding faith is that it's equal to faithfulness. Faith equals faithfulness is a common misconception. Okay. Here's your quiz for the day. It's easy. Is faithfulness good? Yeah. We want to be faithful, right? I want to be a faithful, it's Father's Day. I want to be a faithful dad. I want to be a faithful husband. I want to be a faithful friend. I want to be a faithful Christian who honors God and does the right thing. And, and that's significant. But nine times out of ten, the Bible does, probably higher than that. Nine times out of ten, though, the Bible doesn't mean that by faith. It does talk about faithfulness, and that's good and right. But most of the time, faith is not talking about your devotion. It's your faithfulness. It's talking about your trust in someone else who's faithful. Let me boil it down and put it this way. The whole reason you need to have faith in Jesus, confidence in someone else, is because you're not faithful. If you were faithful to love God and love your neighbor, you wouldn't need faith in Jesus. The very reason we need faith in Jesus is because we're not faithful. So we have to remember that. Faith is, is, is trust, it is reliance, dependence, and it's in Christ, not in ourselves. It's in a faithful substitute who is Jesus. And I would like you to look ever so briefly, even if that's what's necessary, to Romans chapter 5. And that Romans is another text that will cover multiple points. And so it's worth your looking at Romans 5, Romans 4, Romans 3. Again, if you're wondering, why are we doing this? Because of all people... We should be good at explaining what the gospel is. And we can be good at it. We just need to be clear on what it is, clear on how it comes to us, maybe even clear on how other people are not understanding so that we can better love them. Better love them by making it clear to them. 
So in a sense, this is like equipping class, if you will. But it's equipping us too, as well as equipping other people. How about being so thoughtful about others and trying to love others, trying to be faithful, right, as a believer, that we're willing to be better equipped and aware. Faith is not equal to faithfulness. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Very familiar, very... There's a good reason why it's familiar. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows His love for us. Notice the timing. God shows His love for us in that while... That's a good timing word. We were still sinners, still rebels. Christ died for us. See, it's not based upon your faithfulness that God accepts you. While you're a spiritual rebel, a spiritual anarchist, God sends His Son to die. God works. See, it's not based upon our faithfulness. It's based upon His love and then the faithfulness of Jesus. The word faith isn't used there, but it's all over in Romans. In fact, how about Romans 4, 5? Romans chapter 4, verse 5. One of my very, 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 very favorite passages when I talk to people who talk in Christian terms, but they think somehow salvation, acceptance before God is based upon faith in Jesus and being faithful. How about Romans chapter 4, verse 5? And to the one who does not work, but believes, there's our faith word, in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Notice, God declares, justified, declares righteous, declares obedient to his law of loving God and loving neighbor. That's the idea. These are courtroom words. God justifies. Him who justifies declares perfect, if you want to put it that way. The ungodly, his faith, in context, his faith in Christ is counted as righteousness. Really, the word I wanted you to see is the the word ungodly. God declares not faithful people righteous. He declares ungodly, right, right? Ungodly people righteous. Salvation is not by faithfulness unless you're talking about the faithfulness of Jesus. Because when we're unfaithful, God declares us righteous. And this is the mind rocker of biblical Christianity. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God declares perfect in his courtroom those who are actually unfaithful because they're ungodly. How could this be? This could never be. Well, it can only be if there's someone else who is faithful. It's what makes biblical Christianity different from every religion on planet earth. And, and it is a terrible pride stealer. But if, by God's grace, you get it, you understand why all praise, blessing, and honor goes to one who is none other than God. Because he does it all. It's amazing. Timing is everything. How about number four? Another common misconception. That faith, meaning faith in Christ, is not enough. 
And to use our big word again, and I promise I'll help you if you need help, faith is not enough. This is a misconception. Faith is not enough to justify. Romans 3, we're going to see that it is. And again, if you're new to the Bible, new to Christianity, or just need some help with justify, again, courtroom setting. I mean, just some basic language. Think of justice, justify, okay? A court justice. Think of the judge, where we have justification, okay? There's are similar words. Righteous has to do with law. It's also a courtroom term, okay? Righteousness. Perfection, obedience to the law. And in the Bible, it talks a lot about justification. Let me put it in these terms. Your greatest need in life is to be justified before God. So if you don't know what it means, it's a really good idea to know what it means. I'm all about trying to make the Bible simple, but you can't take things out of the Bible to make the Bible simple. Then we're perverting it. The Bible talks a lot about justification. You need to be justified. You need to be declared righteous. That's what it means. Before God. It's your greatest need. I need God to look at me and say, Pat is acceptable before me, and I'm a righteous judge who doesn't compromise, doesn't take bribes, is not manipulated. I need that. That's what you need. And we're going to see in Romans 3 that God justifies sinners. We just saw in chapter 4, ungodly people. How could this be? If they have faith, not in themselves, but in Jesus. Okay? It's not complicated, really. It doesn't need to be complicated. But our bent as sinners is to get some praise for ourselves. Okay? It's in our fallenness that we, we're, we're, I'm going to say we're glory grubbers. I want to get my grubby hands on some glory, right? I want to get to heaven someday and say, God, we did it! Knuckles! Right? That's kind of how, that's how religion is. What happens in biblical Christianity is not that. It's all of Christ. He is, the Bible would say, our righteousness. We read it this morning. So what we need to see is faith, as long as it's in the perfect one, in Christ, the righteous, the just, and we're trusting in Him, God will then accept us and declare us perfect or righteous, even though we're not. You say, that's too good to be true. I see your point. And that's why, though, you will say, worthy is the Lamb. Read Revelation chapter 5. This is a big deal because it gets so confused. Okay? We think the gospel is for good people. We think justification is by faithfulness. A misconception is that it's not by faith and only by faith. Okay, I've said enough. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to say too much. Okay. Romans chapter 3. How about verse 24? This is worth seeing, worth learning. It says we're justified. Sinners are justified. So 1, 2, and 3 are all about how we're all sinful and none of us are capable in and of ourselves. This is, that's, that's how he's ended on a bad note. We're jumping in here. How about 24? 
and are justified, that's declared perfect, declared righteous, declared a law keeper, by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation or an atonement by His blood to be received. How? By faith, by trust, by dependence, by reliance. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness. See, the idea is God is a holy judge. God God doesn't compromise. He's going to display His righteousness. At the present time so that He might be the just. That's the same original word as righteous. The just, the fair, the righteous, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Just stop there for a second. I'm going to put my finger there. This is amazing. So in Christianity, it's not that God says, I'm going to lower the standard. Otherwise, He wouldn't be saying to show His righteousness. No, He's going to show His righteousness and He shows it in Christ. When you, when you read the gospel accounts and Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's revealing God's righteousness. God has said from the beginning, if you sin, you will die. And and Jesus voluntarily takes that on himself, even though he didn't sin, as we've read this morning. But it is a demonstration of God's holy righteousness that he's not compromising. He's going to judge his own son. Conversely, or complementing that, would be Jesus' perfect life. His whole life of doing the right thing on our behalf would be showing God's righteousness. In his son. This is the way. This is, this, this is, this is reality. Demonstrating his righteousness, but, but he doesn't only demonstrate that. If we look back again at verse 26, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And in the context, that's of sinners. It's, am- it's just amazing. It's not illogical. He's going to uphold his justice and pour out his judgment. At the same time, he's going to de- declare those who are guilty, innocent, righteous even. And in, in, in a sense, you, you'd have to say, this can't be. You're right. It can't be if there isn't a perfect substitute. Oh, it's so awesome. How about then verse 27? Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. See, if it's faithfulness on our part, we could brag. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified, declared righteous in God's court by faith apart from works of the law. When we say faith is not enough, please get this. When we say it's faith plus, we're saying Jesus isn't enough. It's exactly what we're saying. But when we say salvation, justification is by faith and only by faith. We're saying his work is sufficient, complete, done. There's nothing left to do, so what do I do? I rely on him. Man, now what should we talk about? Oh, it's just, it becomes so awesome. I've said it a million times, but I know enough of you are new. I'll say it again. Remember that God demands perfection. 
He absolutely does. It's Romans 3. He's the just. The just judge. And that's not good news to you. It's not. But it also says he's the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That's good news to you. It's amazing. Don't ever forget that only people who are perfect go to heaven. Either in their own perfection, and that would be a really short line, right? Or based upon the perfection, the righteousness of another. It's, it's mind-staggering, worship-inducing, seemingly too good to be true. A common misconception is that God helps those who help themselves, that faith alone in Christ alone is not enough. That's true if what he did was inadequate. It's exciting stuff. You know the reason I have assurance of salvation because of that I'm going to try to be a good dad today try to be a good husband try not to complain too much but God sees it all even motives and if I think at the end of the day I've perfectly loved God and loved my neighbor I am self-righteously deluded motives too? 1 John says, he who says he has no sin makes God a liar. Because God says we're all sinners. How in the world can I put my head on the pillow? Night-night. I might even forget to pray. That's not a good idea. Now I'll remember. (laughs) My point being that my confidence is not in myself. My confidence is in Him. It's amazing. Next Sunday, by the way, during the Sunday school class, I'll do a little sales pitch. Um, at 9 o'clock, uh, we're going to talk about justification. So the whole Sunday school hour, I think junior high, hopefully, I think junior high and high school are going to be in here as well. Um, because we have uh, a guest, Scott Clark is going to be with us. Uh, he's written a lot about justification. Uh, he's a historical theology and systematic theology professor at Westminster Seminary, California. Um, and he's a friend. And so I'm going to interview him and ask him questions about this kind of stuff. So, it'll be interesting, I think. Uh, and he's a corn husker. Did he go to Benson High School and then Lincoln, Lincoln High? Anyway, I heard through the grapevine he was going to be in Lincoln, and then somebody told me, Scott Clark's going to be at your church next Sunday. And so I'm like, might as well put him to work. Uh, <laughs> what's the point? Let him just sit there where you're sitting. So, I sent him a message and said, would you let me interview you during Sunday school? So, he'll be here next week. Um, probably walk in wearing a Husker hat. So, okay, you know what? Um, We'll do one more. Then we'll be done. I told my wife I was going to finish all 10 points. (laughs) See, I I lied. I need a substitute. Glad salvation is by faith and faith alone and the finished work of Christ alone. A fifth misconception would be I just wanted to get done talking about justification before Scott Clark got here. 
<laughs> Number five. Another misconception regarding faith would be that faith is mere assent. Okay? It's mere assent. Assent means um, A-S-S-E-N-T. It means agreement. It's a misconception that faith in Christianity is mere assent. Now, we should agree with God, right? That, that's a good idea. But it's, it's a misconception to say it's mere consent. Um, the Bible in Christianity, this, it doesn't talk about blind faith. It doesn't talk about faith in the ridiculous, faith in the illogical, faith in the patently wrong. But how many people do we know think there's a category between history and religion? Now, that's, that would be true for some, but not in Christianity. Christianity is actually a religion that's tied to history, that's tied, that, that, that's logical, that makes sense. It's, it's not contradictory to the laws of logic, as a matter of fact. Okay? Assent is good, but mere assent is accepting something blindly regardless of the evidence kind of like you know la 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 don't confuse me with the facts i know what i believe how many people have you talked to like that and how many people think that christianity is actually like that let me just remind you of some obvious things christianity is tied to jesus who is a historical person. Jesus was not born on Naboo. Those of you who are Star Wars fans. Jesus was not born on Kronos. Those of you who are Star Trek fans. That's where the Klingons are from. I looked it up. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You probably don't want to go there today, but I've been there. You can go there. It's a real place. Born in Bethlehem. Crucifixion, eyewitnesses, historical event. Resurrection, eyewitnesses, historical event. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4 says that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. How about this, verse 5? And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500, verse 7. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Christianity is tied to history, not mythology. There aren't separate categories for reality and faith. We're trusting in the historic Christ. Okay? There's a reason why there, there are maps in your Bible. Okay? There's a reason for that. Even throughout the whole Old Testament in the history of Israel, you know, those terrible genealogies? Those are terribly important. Because we're talking about reality. We're talking about Jesus who came here, not just as a spirit. He came here, and, and that's why John says, we touched him. The flesh, real, genuine, became one of us. Real kings, real prophets, real geography, real wars. And this is important for us because we're real. 
And we need a real Savior. But many people think that faith is where you blindly accept the untrue and patently illogical. It's not what Christianity has taught all along. The historical events are vital. Trusting in the trustworthy. Sometimes Christians have made the mistake of not talking like this. And sometimes we don't know the answer. Sometimes we don't know how everything lines up. One thing we've, we could learn over history is be patient. We might not understand how this war and this king and this happened, but time and time again, archaeology has been on our side. Don't panic as a Christian. There have also been times in the history of Christianity where Christian leaders have, have made the mistake of saying that faith is blind ascent. But it's usually been with a motive. If we, the church, are trying to teach you something that's not biblical, that's patently contradictory to the Bible, glaring, we might be tempted to say what, for example, arch-anti-reformer Robert Bellarmine said, that faith is not trust. It's mere acceptance. I don't ever want to be in a place where I tell you that it's not trust in the trustworthy and mere acceptance. No. It's based upon the facts that are logical and make sense to be examined in the Bible. Objective. And if that means I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Okay, enough of that for now. I'm going to pray right now that, that you have opportunities to talk to people about Christ because of this. It's not hard. Your assignment is ask someone what faith means. How about that? There's a conversation starter. And you'll be an expert and they won't be. But be nice. This is not, not hard. You know more than most of your friends know. Use it to love them, not to beat them up. But do use it to love them. Okay, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all of these things that we learn. Help us not just to be fat-headed, mean-spirited Christians who have lots of answers to lots of questions. Uh, help us to have, in, in the spirit of Christ, uh, a burden for people to talk to them about how significant it is to stop trusting in self and to stop trusting in in the illogical to start trusting in Christ. Give us that kind of ministry that would bring honor and glory to you. Bring assurance to the folks who are here even today that they might trust in Christ if they haven't and have assurance that you are the God who justifies the ungodly. Do these things for, for our benefit and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.